How can data logging benefit your AAC therapy? I'm joined by Maggie and Gina today to discuss the benefits as well as ideas for building capacity at home and in the school for students who use AAC. Hey there, and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak, and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA certified speech language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, I'm joined by two amazing AAC SLPs, Maggie and Gina. These ladies are making a huge impact in their community and across the field of AAC by providing school-based AAC and assistive technology consultations, evaluations, therapy, and trainings at local and national events. They also have a YouTube channel that demonstrates how to implement AAC strategies for both educators and parents. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for coming today. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. We're so excited. I know. I'm so thrilled to have you both on. We've been collaborating and connecting on social media, and I also had the pleasure of attending your ATIA presentation last year. Or no, this year. Wow, it feels like an eternity ago, right? Yes. Yes. A long time ago. But I was just so impressed by your presentation and the amazing work you're doing in your school district. So I'm really excited for you to speak to this audience. But before we get started, I'd like for you both to kind of introduce yourselves and give any background information that we didn't touch on. Yes. Hi. So I'll go first. I'm Maggie. Um, I'm a speech language pathologist. I just finished up my 13th year, which seems impossible, but it's been 13 years. I have been working for um, a special education cooperative in Southern Illinois for the last three years as the AAC specialist. And um, when I got the job, it really was my dream job. And it had been since graduate school. I fell in love with AAC um, when I was going to school. I was really lucky. Uh, The university I went to, we had an AAC practicum during um, our first year of graduate school. So we had clients come in and we were able to go through that whole AAC evaluation process. So we did evaluations, we did device trials, and then we went through the whole funding process. And then following up with the client after the device was approved and getting it set up. And there was a client in particular and it just made me fall totally in love with AAC. And so my first job out of school, I led with, you know, I really want to work with students with complex communication needs. And luckily that was the role I was given. So I've been working with AAC since I got out of school, which has been great because I've been able to learn so much through the years and with every client that I've worked with. So, um, so I've been working for the last three years and I've been able to work with Gina, which has been awesome. (laughs) We've learned so much from each other and um, we really help each other grow. 
Yes, we do. I definitely second that. And I'm uh, Gina Antrim. I am also an SLP and AC therapist. Um, I have been for nine years. I just recently got into doing AC though full-time at the special education cooperative that Maggie and I both work at. I think I've always been pulled in the area of AC without even knowing it. An undergrad, I did a honors thesis um, on AC, autism, and praxis of speech, and video modeling kind of all combined, and then continued that research work and did another thesis at the grad level. And then just after getting out of school um, and starting work, I worked for another special education cooperative. I've just always worked with kids with AC I'm in the hospital where I did PRN work, you know, working with adults and giving them a mode of communication after a stroke or anything. And so I've just always been pulled in this direction, but then just recently I've been able to work full time as it. And it's been awesome. And Maggie's just been amazing to work with. She's a genius and so creative. And um, it's just a nice working relationship. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Gina. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You guys definitely seem like you work really well together. So that's awesome. We drive. Yes, we drive. (laughs) It's so important, especially when it's like just the two of you. And you guys get so much accomplished because you do have that great relationship. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it's good, like, if one of us uh, needs the extra motivation, the other one steps in for it for sure. And then we each have our own strengths. So, yeah, it works if we are working well together. So Mm -hmm. we're very excited to, to be doing that. I love that. Well, let's talk about your ATA presentation. Since uh, not everybody here uh, had the opportunity to attend, can you share your ideas for capacity building among families, staff, and administration? Yes. Yeah, so we we work with AAC, but we also do overall assistive technology for our cooperative. So we are um, the AT department. We're kind of the AT leaders for our district. So we're always looking at ways to um, improve our practice and what we're doing. So we read the book, Leading the Way to Excellence and AT Services by Gail Bowser and Penny Reed. It's a great book that really goes into a lot of the different capacity building areas, but specifically around um, administrators. But after reading that, it really helped us kind of take a step back to see where we should be putting in more of our efforts. And so when we were thinking about capacity building, we really liked the ideas of in order to create that ability that all the team members feel comfortable and knowledgeable, you really want to look at reaching out to other key stakeholders. And for us, that we really wanted to focus in on families. Then we wanted to provide different types of professional development, just like our students learn through different modalities and through different ways. So do we as staff members. And then um, another great area when you're thinking about capacity building is building on-demand resources. And so that was a fun area that we developed that has really helped us these last few months. And then also Mm -hmm. building that administrative support. So yeah, that first area was um, that we really thought about was how we could build up our families. And with our families, we've uh, done focused in on two different areas um, to help support our families. So we've developed an AC family support network. Um, and with this, we put our families into contact with various blogs that we come across that we think are good um, for parents to look at of other parents of AEC users, um, because we'll never be able to provide that perspective 
to the parents um, not being in their position. So putting them in touch with families either online with social media now that we're doing a lot of work remotely or with other families within the co-op with their permission first, of course, um, willing to share their experiences going through the whole AUC process from, you know, evaluations, funding, and then using it in the home. And then another area that we focused on to help support our families as well as we've developed a family activity night. And so with this, the families are able to come in, they're able, we talk about core vocabulary and aided language input and it, getting used to their devices and how to use it with a various, a certain topic or activity. So if it's a game night or reading a book, how to use and incorporate that device and focus on different functions of communication and really focusing on that, providing that aided language input and just getting them comfortable with it and breaking down some of those barriers for them. I love that. I mean, I had the opportunity to listen to you guys, the things that you've been able to accomplish, like the family night, the AAC family support network is so important and, um, you know, vital in order for the device to generalize, not only at the school level, but to home as well. How did it pan out over the school year? Let's not count this new school year, um, but maybe like in previous school years, you know, how did it start and then how was the um, attendance over the year? Um, well, as we mentioned during our ATIA presentation, um, attendance is low. Um, and it's okay. We don't let that um, dissuade us from doing it because we feel like parent each time that we hold one of the family activity nights, um, new parents are usually coming. So we feel like they're getting what they need and then able to kind of transfer that over with the supports that we provide on a weekly basis to them. So they kind of come and get their in-person and then from that, they're able to take the materials that we send home or the resources that we send home and then um, carry on with it. So, but each year, yeah, we get a few new families coming um, to each family activity night and it's been steady at the, our attendance levels that we do have. It's usually steady and we get good feedback from the parents that they do appreciate it. And it does help them make them feel more comfortable using the device with their child. And I think one of the most like exciting parts of it is that kind of just developed naturally are the families bringing their children and then uh -huh. siblings as well. So it kind of works out when it's a smaller group because we'll sometimes have a family of five, you know, mom and dad come and they have, the, the child who uses AEC and then their siblings. So then while we're demonstrating these things that we're talking about, you know, we're able to give examples, but then we can go right to the parent with the child and show them, and then we can get the siblings involved too. Mm -hmm. So that kind of wasn't the plan when we started. We thought it would be more just like parents coming, but it just evolved that way. And we're so happy that it, that it did because we know siblings are so important for AAC users and that they can be such great um, modelers and they can really help them at home. So yeah, that's been an exciting development too that we've really enjoyed. For sure. Yeah, that's such a good point. I'm glad that you brought that up. So in the new school year, are you guys thinking about transferring it to like distance trainings or what are you thinking? We've been talking a lot about the different trainings that we provide both to our school teams and our family and how we could make that go remote if necessary. So we're still planning to do in-person because right now our schools are going to be going back in-person. Um, but if we do transition and need that remote way, we'll figure out a way. So 
Sounds good. Yeah. In my district, we, when COVID happened, we realized that we needed to provide, because we typically provide like trainings the second part of the year in person as well. And so we just threw like a whole series of distant learning trainings together and we had really great turnouts, but I'm not sure if it was like just given the time and everybody was kind of like really jumping on board with the distance learning and online trainings. I wonder what the turnout will be like this time around. Um, yeah. But I imagine it's really helpful because people can do it from like the comfort of their own home and, you know, watch the replay if they have to as well. Yeah, exactly. I like hearing that you've, you've done it and that you saw good turnout and good participation because yeah, we're, I'm sure there'll be a time that comes this year when we're going to have to make that happen. So it's always good to hear other people who have tried it and that it was successful. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we had to make this shift, which was hard for everybody. But yeah. now that we've kind of done that, it might be helpful to keep doing it and adapting to like, the, I guess this online technology world, which allows people to like stay at home and, and still participate. But you do miss that interactive, like in-person component that you can have with an in-person training. But you know, it, it's, you got to weigh the pros and cons, I guess, right? For sure. Definitely. Awesome. All right. So you guys are going to be presenting again, which I'm so, so happy for you. This one is going to be on data logging. Can you talk about what data logging is and how you use it to guide AAC therapy? Yeah. So yeah, data logging is this really fun thing for us that we've, <laughs> and we try to make it fun because when you hear data and data logging, <laughs> it kind of sound a little like, oh, so, but we're talking specifically about speech generating devices and different AAC apps. So a lot of them have this ability to turn on data logging and it means that it's automatically recording, um, all of the data, so all of the buttons that are being pushed on the device, all of the words that are being set on the device. And it can produce a time-stamped transcript of what was generated. And then from that, like you can kind of get a language sample. But for us, we really like to use that in conjunction with this program called Realized Language. And it's an online web-based subscription through um, PRC and Sotillo companies. So their devices have the ability to link up to that. And we love using Realized Language because you import this data log and it generates all of these easy to understand and really colorful graphics and visuals. Um, that make it really easy to analyze the data and then take that to show to show your teams and to share with families. So um, it's been a really fun process for me to learn about. Gina was way into this before <laughs> I came along and she convinced me to start. And then once I did, I'm like, thank you so much, Gina. You're a believer now. <laughs> yes, I'm a believer now. <laughs> yeah, we love using the data logging. Um, pretty much it's just another tool in our toolbox. We use it for evaluations. We use it for therapy. Um, it's not just one you could use it just to visually analyze their language and then be done with it. But for us, we like to get a little bang out of our buck. And so um, we use it for more purposes. Um, we really love it because it's that visual, AC can be so novel and progress on the AC can be just so novel um, for teams to understand and parents. But with these visual graphics that are just so nicely displayed and colorful, um, 
you know, it makes it more concrete um, and easier for parents to be like, oh, okay, yes, I do remember them saying those words. And wow, they have said more words since the last time we took, you know, a data analysis um, from them. Uh, so teams, I have teams and I know Maggie does too. They like look forward to that month, whatever we do it, if we do it on a quarterly basis, a monthly basis, whenever we're bringing in the visuals, um, they are ready. They want to see them um, and see how much progress they made, especially if they were doing a core word of the week approach, they want to see how big that word got on the Wordle. Um, and we like to use it in therapy as well, because it gives not only the parents and the teams feedback, but it gives that student feedback too. Look, these were the words that you said this whole past month. Look at all of those words that you said. And then we can have a discussion about that. Um, and there's just so many features within it with the parts of speech um, that we can use to help guide our therapy. Um, with the grammar endings, looking at that to help guide our therapy as well with a student. And it gives you information. You can go into the spelling feature and see what they've maybe been trying or attempting to spell. And it gives us feedback on maybe what words we need to program into their device that aren't already on there, or what words we need to be providing on their low tech systems that are backups for them as well. Because if those words are important that they're spelling them so much, we need to give them access to them. Um, that's a little bit more efficient for them. Yeah, to, to go along with that, those I think were two of the areas that really stuck out to me um, when we were going through and analyzing the word list. And this is, um, you can analyze no, known or unknown words that the student spells. So I was we were looking through that and we saw that the student was spelling a name. And you could see that some of the times it was misspelled and then sometimes it was spelled correctly. And I had never seen this during a session. So it was something that was like I was not aware of at all. So then through discussion with the student and the teacher and the family, it was a character from a show that she, the student just was totally in love with. And so I was able to, you know, talk to the student and we were able then to program that name in. And then, um, so that way it was faster for her to communicate that love for that show. So that was just a really neat part to see. And then also like Gina brought up, use including words, um, thinking about words to include in an AAC backup system. So again, we were analyzing words that the student was saying um, and we had gotten permission. And so we were looking at words that they had been saying like over the weekend. So not words that we would know. And two words came, kept coming up, camping and pancake. And those were not words that I had thought to include on her backup system at all, but these were really important words to her to use at home. So we were able to include those. So it really gives you such good information. It just helps you as a clinician know what questions to ask and where to look mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I love realized language. And I was using that with my private client. We didn't implement it in my school district, but um, like on a, a wide scale level. So I admire how you guys are doing that in your district. I think that's really impressive. But you're right. It is so helpful for guiding AAC therapy and knowing like where the student is and like where you need to go. It's kind of like a progress monitoring tool, I guess. Yes. Exactly. I love that. Awesome. Well, you guys are also using the tell me curriculum. So can you explain what that is and how it's been going? Yes. So the tell me curriculum, it is, um, 
Um, it is a literacy-based language and literacy-based curriculum for preschool classrooms. And it was developed by Dr. Carol Gazangari and Lori Weiss. And we love it because it focuses on a few um, storybooks and it breaks them down into such a level that it helps us as educators learn how to provide high quality literacy instruction to students with complex communication needs. So it gives us this clear guidance, their daily lesson plans, so that we can get that structured repeated practice at providing emergent reading and emergent writing instruction. So it really helps us to see that language and literacy learning should be happening throughout the school day, and that if we can incorporate the AAC with that, that we're gonna get so much more progress from our students. So we really love the program. We started making kits for each of the books. So. Um, when you're starting kind of fresh with the program, like with anything, and especially if it's something a little bit different for you to be providing, especially writing instruction, it can feel a little overwhelming. So we went through each book and we were making kits for them so that our member district could check out from our lending library. And so that really helped um, get people more comfortable with trying it out and getting started with it. Perfect. And what age range are you using it with? We usually, for preschool classrooms especially, but then um, also we tell some classrooms, you know, it depends on the student and their interest, but you know, kindergarten, first grade, some of these books are still appropriate for them. And just getting, it's a nice platform for teachers, especially since we have the kits already prepared for them. Um, they can check these out, get some guidance from us and coaching, and then start to implement it. And after they do a couple of the books, then our hope and our wish for them, and I think the whole point of the program as well, is to help them then apply that to other books that they want to do in their classroom. So it kind of gives them the skills of how to approach aided language input and the communication, shared reading and shared writing, um, all of those skills and incorporating it throughout the day, but then it's a jumping off point. You know, here, here are a few books, get your feet wet, and then start to do it. Um, with other books that you have and you're wanting to use. Yeah, and if the Tell Me curriculum is new for people, um, go to the Practical AAC website and you can search Tell Me. We actually wrote a, a blog post a month for them on each book and just different ideas on how you could incorporate it within all of those different areas that they set out. So for reading, for writing, and then carrying it over through different activities in the day. So you can definitely go there and learn more about it. And we also have a YouTube video showing uh, what's in our kits. They're growing. They're definitely growing kits, but we have a video showing you kind of a preview of what we initially put in all of them. I love that. And we'll try to include that in the show notes as well so people can easily find that. Hey, so you may or may not know this, but I'm expecting my first child this month and I'm so excited. It's been a few years since I've worked in early intervention or spent time with babies, so I find myself trying to brush up on all of the developmental norms. That's one of the reasons why I am thrilled to share about an upcoming series that we are doing on early intervention. This series kicks off with a pod course on caregiver coaching and family capacity building in early intervention. And our guest speaker is Dr. Molly Romano, who is a professor at Florida State University. You will get to hear the latest evidence-based research in this area, including how to embed intervention into daily routines and effectively coach caregivers through telepractice. Her episode is even available for ASHA CEUs through Tassel Continuing Education, and members get early VIP access starting on November 1st, 2020. 
That means you don't have to wait until the episode airs on this podcast. Dr. Romano is so entertaining and she shares so many great tips in this pod course, but one point that she made that really stuck out to me is that your intervention doesn't happen in your session. It happens between visits. That means when determining how effective your therapy is, you should be measuring what is happening when you're not there. So what does effective caregiver coaching look like? You can learn about the super framework that she helped to develop and more in this pod course. Head to tasseltogether.com or click on the link in this episode description. Then check out the courses tab to find the course titled Root for the Home Team, Caregiver Coaching and Family Capacity Building in EI to learn more. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about all of the unique AAC ideas that you guys share. Let's talk about your favorites. Um, But I love all of the ones you share on Instagram. Our favorites. I think Squishy Books is probably at the top for us, right, Maggie? Yes. Squishy Books are a deep love for us. (laughs) (laughs) We actually have a blog post on Practical AAC about Squishy Books as well. And then we uh, routinely post about them on our Instagram as well. Um, but squishy books are just a nice literacy and communication activity. We love to do them in therapy. Um, you can make the squishy books with the student and there's so many endless communication opportunities and other language, um, activities that you can do with the student um, and that you can target while making the squishy book and it can be geared towards whatever your student's interest is. So a lot of times on Instagram you'll see our holiday ones that we do but you know we can do Minecraft that goes with a certain student's interest or if they're really into cereal or the beach or plants or whatever it is we can gear those squishy books towards their interests Um, and then it just develops into a nice shared reading and writing activity. They can be a part of that whole process. Maggie, what do you want to? Yeah, no, I was just, yes, all of that. And I think like what's so fun about squishy books is that they're really just this like sensory experience book. So basically what you do is you take a baggie and you fill it with different squishy materials, different sensory materials. Then, so that makes the pages of the book. And then you attach maybe four or five of those together to create a book. And so this is great for students who like to explore books tactily still. And it's, I find all of my students like them as well because it's just so interactive and fun. And then um, you can add words to it or sentence starters and have the student fill that in with writing or they can do letter by letter generative writing to come up with every page, um, text on the page. So they're just really fun. We're always looking for different fun and functional literacy activities, especially to incorporate writing. And like Gina said, things that are age respectful and that can really take into account the specific interests of our students are always high up on our list. So yeah, squishy books are, they are a love of ours for sure. (laughs) We also, um, if you do follow us on Instagram, you know this already, but we love to iron on a manual communication board pretty much onto any surface that we can. (laughs) we've done it to shirts to aprons is one of our favorites I think because it's so functional to use if you're a teacher or us as an SLP um, using it on the go so aprons we've done it on scarves um, bags we love doing it on tote bags that then the student can use to go to the library with and everything Um, but it's just a way to give access because if the student has access to communication they're going to be able to then communicate to us in any kind of situation. And it's also then a reminder for us to be providing that aided language input to them in any kind of situation that we are in. So 
Yeah, and now since you first time at home, we've gotten a few new ideas. So we mm-hmm. recently ironed one onto a blanket so that when you're like all cuddled up on the couch, and then we did um, one on a dog bandana because I don't know about you, but when you're at home, your dog is always right next to you. So it's like, what better way to have that AAC right there by you? So yes, we definitely love ironing on. And like Gina said, it just gives you easy access. Uh, we know that it's so much easier to take um take advantage of those communication opportunities when you have that AAC system right there. So it's just a fun, easy way to get AAC supports more readily available in the environment. So yeah, we definitely love our iron on projects. I love it. That is so creative and people will tell them where they can find and connect with you so that they can see all the amazing stuff that you guys are doing. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrap up today? I, I think that was, I mean, we could talk all day about AAC and literacy, but I think we're good. (laughs) And I would love to have you guys on for the rest of the day to talk about all of that stuff. (laughs) You guys are just such a wealth of knowledge and, you know, talking about things like, you know, building capacity, using a tell me curriculum and the different unique AAC ideas you're doing, like each of those could be a different episode. So Thank you for helping people kind of get familiar with those ideas. And then, you know, for themselves, if they want to look at more information, they can do that. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you again for having us on. Yes. So if people are not familiar with you, where can they find and connect with you? Uh, Yes. So we have an Instagram account. It's BASC, A-A-C, so B-A-S-S-C, A-A-C. We um, like to post weekly on there. And then we also have a YouTube channel, Basque AAC as well. And then we each have our own little thing that we do. So uh, you can find me on Instagram, the bookish SLP. And I have a little TPT store that has some fun stuff on it. And Gina? Uh, Yeah, my individual one is Speech Without Limits. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I have a YouTube channel that I do as well. Um, as well as a TPT store and a boom learning store. But if you go to Instagram, you can find links to everything in my profile. You guys are amazing. Like, (laughs) seriously, you're so inspiring. Um, Thank you so much for coming on today. And I can't wait to follow along on your journey and see all of the amazing things that you continue to do in your district. Well, thank you so much again for having us on. This was a pleasure to do and we love your podcast and the wealth of information that you share through the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. And yeah, we love and appreciate everything you put out there. So this was great. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free good section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media if you really love the topic. Take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.